What is up, Knoll Nation? It's the guys from Plant the Spear here to digest everything we saw this past weekend, Michael. We're going to kind of put a wrap on 2023, turn a little bit of our focus towards 2024 in an episode that we're going to title Turning to Page. The Florida State's 2023 season is officially in the books. It is over and done with. We got some news on 2024 to turn our focus to. But I feel like we're just going to kind of digest everything that we saw this past weekend and just kind of put put a bow on that, kind of bury it. We're going to have two episodes coming up as well outside of this where we're going to go back and really just kind of enjoy what 2023 was, even the way it ended. And we're also going to have one where we do a, a way too early look at 2024. So if we don't get into everything, that's why. Uh, but, Michael, we're just going to kind of kind of you got to talk about it at some point my man so right. it, it wasn't how we wanted it to go the season didn't end the way we wanted to but there, there's so much to packaged in, in what happened in 23 and what's already going on for 2024 and some of these moves that we're just going to kind of digest all of it so thank you for joining me and uh you know thanks for opting into this one because man it was that, that was a disappointing weekend i know you were there you actually were at the game I, i'm right. sorry uh you know i watched it with a bunch of georgia fans so it probably wasn't much uh, more fun but, for you you know, man, it, it is what it is. It's not the first time I've been barked at by a grown adult. So, you know what? I uh, thanks for having me. Always I love, love, love being a part of uh, Plant the Spear. Uh, you know, first of all, just a little fact: uh, I was in the Florida State section of the of the of the arena, so I didn't really get barked at. But um, for the most part, I think Georgia fans may have felt a lot of very bad for us, and so they were yeah. actually pretty kind uh, on their way out of the stadium uh, there. But uh, you know, it listen it. it 63 to three wasn't expected. You know, I don't, we didn't predict that, but uh, I think in my prediction, I'd said 45 to three and, you know, I was just a few points off there, uh, you know, but this it was, was only to be... too bad. That was the first half score. <laughs> exactly. It was. You're so right. You're so right. I did not. I think I texted you. I was like, I did not expect yeah. them to hit my prediction in the first half. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, listen, uh, it was to be expected that this was going to be a blowout, um, especially when we we found out, you know, right before the game that, you know, Braden Fist and and uh, some of those other guys that were that were had been projected to play did not end up playing in that game. And, you know, what you saw was the depth of Georgia, you know, against the depletedness of Florida State. And uh, if you're watching this as a Noel fan, here's the thing. We're Noel blooded. We'll always be Noel fans. You're never going to stop us from cheering for the Noles. But yeah, that, that that game was 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 hard to watch. It was sad to 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 be a part of. But this is not indicative of this program. It's not indicative of this coaching staff. And uh, you know, we here at Plant the Spear, we 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 trust and we believe uh, the climb that's still happening in this program. But to say the same thing as that was very disappointing. Yeah, I actually I was fortunate. When you know, watching it with the Georgia fans because they got their shots in early and then they got bored, yeah, so they just went and found something else to do and they kind of left me alone, so it was easy that way. It's easy, um, but yeah, man, I mean, like just talking about the game because it, it did happen, so we'll talk about right. it a little bit. I mean, hey, you set a record for the worst bowl loss That's of right. all bowls ever. That's not the way you exactly want to end a 13 and no season, but you know, I've, I've defended this on social media 5,000 times. Anybody with a brain knows that that game was so lopsided with starts yep. and experience and players out and everything like that, that that game would have been completely different had you have had your starters. Because, I mean, let's be honest, man. L look at what Georgia did against Georgia Tech. They had one starter out, Brock Bowers, yeah. and they won 31-23. That's right. Florida State had 15 starters out. Like, that's hard for anybody to right. overcome. That's right. You know, And then, not only that, but once you had those 15 starters out, you also lost your best receiver, 
He only, That's right. Portier only played 15 snaps. And Fentrell Cypress also, I believe, got banged up in the game as well and only played 20 snaps That's out of right. 78 snaps. So you really kind of lost two of your better guys throughout the game. So essentially, you're almost at 17 starters out. And, you know, my thing is, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Florida State could have beat Georgia in that situation because right. Kirby obviously – he pulled up, could have probably been 100-3 to three if he wanted it to. Pretty but close. I will say, like, man, when you see the beginning of that game and you saw those guys that did not play, that we thought were, we were under the expectations that they were going to play, when you look at Fisk, Farmer, and Bethune, those three alone, I think, and I know this sounds like I might be reaching here, but may have cut 20 points off the score because yeah. you you just had nothing up front. I mean, you had Daryl Jackson come back, hasn't played a game in a year. So, I mean, did you really expect him to go be dominant? We thought he'd be, right. he thought he would be a, a great number two coming in off the bench. But the problem was you couldn't stop the run. You couldn't get pressure because you had such a depleted defensive line. And to me, That's that right. was really, that was really just the story of the game. You had, you felt like if you had Fisk and Farmer, there's you a good one and two. And then you could bring in some guys off the bench to keep them fresh. But then when those guys were out, I mean, you just had nothing on defense. You were so down on defense. You had six right. new starters starting on defense for their first game ever. So it's just, man, you were so depleted. That game was never going to be close. But I do think that it tells you to a degree that, you know, we talked about this in pre-show a little bit. You got a little ways to go, yeah. you know, you, you, to catch a depth machine like Georgia. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from this Florida State. The, the bowl game is like Florida State was a really good collection of the pieces it had. And that's yep, not that's to right. say that that teams can't win like that. I mean, that's Auburn right. yep. probably doesn't win a title without Cam Newton. Florida that's probably right. doesn't win one without Tim Tebow. You know, Florida State was a sum of all its parts, but that's it's not right. a depth machine like Georgia is. And that's there's not many teams that are like that. That's right. And so just to kind of put the gravity now that we saw the starting lineups and, and just a couple of quick numbers here, this is where you start to run into trouble. So when you look at on the offense going up against the Georgia defense, Florida State had 72 combined first times or 72 combined starts, two first time starters, four second time starters, and 58 of that was on the offensive line. Oof. So your skill positions had 14 starts. Man. Georgia's defense had a combined 103 starts of experience and only one first time starter. So that was all that, you need to know right there. That was pretty bad. And it got worse on defense with the guys that didn't play. So UGA's offense had 105 combined starts, zero first time starters, one person who had only started one game. Florida State had 55 combined starts on the <laughs> defense and six guys starting their first game this season. Gosh. You were just, I mean, you. You were out of it, man. You were right. out of it. And, and then not, you know, not to like try and find a way that Florida State that it wasn't a, a 60 point blowout because it was. There were so many close things in this game that just didn't go your way on top of being depleted. You had a strip sack that you didn't you weren't able to recover. You know, you, right. you get the ball inside the five yard line. You couldn't get a touchdown. And then, you know, what you give up a touchdown, the, then the drive after that, you fumble the kickoff and and you give it right back on a one play score. There was like this right. game went from being potentially fourteen to seven with about ten minutes left in the in, in the first half, right? To now it was twenty eight to three within two minutes. That's so right. So it's it spiraled, and then people make the the thing where like, okay, well, it was twenty one to nothing with Georgia's backups. You also had Florida State's backups who had already been going against your starters for two and a half quarters at that Correct. point. Correct. Correct. So those guys were not fresh, and you brought in fresh backups off the bench, which, oh, by the way, all of Georgia's backups are four and five stars. That's right. So, you know, I mean, that's just – it's it's not that, like, again, the game is what it is. We knew it was going to be bad from the beginning. I just think it's right. important 
to look at just how outmanned they were. You know, and when you know, again, when you talk about the defensive line, you only got pressure on 21.1% of Carson Beck's dropbacks. You allowed 9.3 sack adjusted yards per carry, and they put up 382 rushing yards sack adjusted. You you couldn't stop them up front. Right, so like right. Georgia, that's where Georgia wins games. They're they're the trenches are stacked for those guys. That's right. And so and and again, man, congrats to to Kirby for building yep. a, a machine of a program. That's great. Right. And and you know there are some positives that we'll talk about in this game. But I think the one thing that people have to keep in mind is when you look at the two situations, Kirby's been at Georgia for eight years. He didn't That's come right. in during the COVID year. Yes, he nope. dealt with it while he was already there, but you already had your, your culture established. That's right. Mike Norvell came into a bad situation. You know, I, I mean, even when they got rid of Rick, like they were walking away from a coach that was kind of a hard guy to let go because he had won a lot of right. you know, eight, nine, ten game seasons. You just could never win the big one. Florida State came from a different place. You came from right. multiple consecutive losing seasons. You took over in a COVID year. Yep. You're trying to get to where Georgia is, starting from a, a deeper hole that you're digging out of. That's right. And so Mike Norvell, you know, because – and we can kind of divert into this right now because the one thing that pisses me off about this game more than anything is the people that are taking shots at Florida State's culture. Yeah. Now yep. – I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth on this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, on the one hand, you know, we just talked about it. Like Kirby built his program with program guys. They don't yep. use the portal a lot. They, that's right. Again, they weren't digging out of that same hole. Mike Norvell took the transfers to get out of a hole. I mean, you were, what would you rather be? Like people can talk about it's the transfers that lead to the culture issues. What would you rather have? 13, 14 transfers on your team that, that, right. you know, opt out of a bowl game, but you went 13 and 0. Or don't take any transfers and go five and seven. I'm yep. taking thirteen and whole every day, eight days a week. You can give me that deal. So That's Michael right. Real did what he had to do to get the program right. to the level that it's at. But now I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth a little bit. I think you you do need to. This shows you you need program guys like a yeah. Kalen Loach, you know, even a Malcolm Ray, a guy who's been here for a while, was in the portal and still played. So you have some guys that that it means a little bit more to them to stick around to the end because again, we talked about this in the bowl preview show and this is, you know, this is a real testy subject here. This is, yes, you gotta is. be, you gotta walk a real fine line with this. I'm not calling the players quitters. I'm not saying anything like that because I don't think they quit. It's yeah. their decision to go out and pursue their NFL dreams. It's their health. It's their money. It's not my decision to make. It's not anybody on social media's decision to make. That's right. I just felt bad to watch Mike Norvell, the leader of the team, have to go out there and wear a 60-point weapon yeah. while everyone else just kind of headed for the hills. And I think when you saw the, for what it's worth, epic post-game speech, I think you could tell the opt-outs bothered him a little bit. I, I think yeah. he felt like some of the guys just picked up their stuff and left. And so, you know, it is what it is. I know he'll never come out and say that. And, and again, it's the player's decision. It's not mine. But I'm a... I feel bad for Mike having to go out there and take that beating the way he did. Yeah, I think you can. I think I think two things can be true at the same time, right? Is one, you can feel bad. You can not like that the players opted out because of whatever reason, you know, you, you want to feel like I, I, I didn't necessarily like that. Those healthy players who probably weren't top four round fourth round draft picks you know fourth round or higher draft picks they opted out you know i i didn't like it i mean of course not man i, I would i would rather them play for you know florida state and try to you know at least make the game somewhat you know decent 
At the same time, the other side that can be true is that those kids, you know, we don't know their stories. We don't know the decisions that they're that they're having to make, the the environments and influences that are in their life that are pulling them this and that direction. And so for them to make a choice to protect their future, whatever their future may be, and by not playing in that game, I, I also understand that too, right? So two things can be true at the same time. Do I also think that Mike Norvell understood why they made the decision they did? Yeah, he did. Do I also think that Mike Norvell didn't like that they made the decision they made? Absolutely. Two things can be true at the same time. Yep. And I think, you, like you said, you alluded to in that post-game speech, uh, uh, particularly not the one in the locker room, but the, the one in the post-game press conference where he had said that, you know, that some of the players made decisions and, 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 and as coaches, whether we agree or not, man, our job is to be alongside of them, to care for them and get them, you know, to where they, they need to uh, ultimately go and things of that nature. And so, yeah, I, I think for sure it, it, it wasn't fun to see some of those players opt out, but you also understood it. Now, is that an indictment that Florida State has a bad culture? Heck no. Because you have to understand, these players were brought here under the premise that if they did everything the coaches asked them to do, they would have a chance to compete for a national championship. They did absolutely everything, everything the coaches asked them to do. They went undefeated. They beat both their rivals again. They won the ACC. They went into Clemson when no school had done that in a long time and beat them. They beat LSU to a pulp. By the way, LSU's long snapper trying to come at Jordan Travis. Boy, we shamed him to death because, boy, you, your, your team got owned twice by Florida State. Sit down. Go snap a ball somewhere or something. But they did everything they were asked to do, and then 12 people in a room said, nah, you're not good enough. And so I understand why those those players who were, yeah, let's just call it what they were, one-year rentals said, okay, well, then I'm going to go and get myself ready for the next league because you just told me what I did didn't matter, right? So two things can be true at the same time. It's not indicative of the culture. What is indicative of the culture is those players that played, that that showed up, that gave it all they had. That I mean, you're talking about Kalen Deloach. Man, kudos to that man. I salute you, Kalen yep. Deloach. I love you, man. You are an incredible representative of Florida State football. And let me tell you, there are more Kalen Deloaches on that team. Oh, like yeah. Georgia, one of the things, like you said, like Georgia, the reason why all those players played, well, a lot of the reasons why, think about that. Some, a lot of them were either fourth-year juniors or fifth-year seniors. Right. So, of course, they're going to play their last games uh, 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 for Georgia. But also, like you said, you know, Kirby has had years to build a culture and program there. Right. And I imagine that if if Kirby was in year four, like Mike Norvell is, and this had happened to Kirby, you would probably have seen the same thing happen to them at Florida State. But because he's eight years in two national titles, uh, what, seven consecutive top three high school recruiting right. classes, like, yeah, of course they're going to show up because he's built that culture. Mike Norvell and Florida State is on the way. That culture is not broken. And for anyone who says it is, you do not know college football. You do not know Florida State football, and you should sit down. Right. I don't think it's, a, it's an indictment on the culture by any means because the reason I, I say that is because a lot of the guys came back, like you mentioned. They could have went somewhere, at least some of the guys, and I know some Correct. people like, where, where are they going to go? But some of the guys could have went to the NFL last year. Look yep. at Jared Verse. I mean, yep. he was a first-round grade last year, second-round yep. grade, whatever. 
And so he came back to do what you said, yeah. try and win a national title. And they did everything that they could have done. I understand Georgia was pissed off too. Is yeah. Georgia probably one of the best four teams in yeah. the country? I guarantee you they are. Yes, they does, are. You know, does beating, uh, but I, the thing is, when you say that, does beating our backups by 60 points get you into the playoffs? No, no it doesn't. So those guys just decided it wasn't worth the risk. And, as fans, we're disappointed, but we understand the right. decision that they made because a lot of times for college football players, especially pre-NIL era, this is your one chance to make money. This Correct. is it. And so you have to. That's why they call it your money year. So right. you have to do what's in your best interest because they might not ever have a chance to make that much money again. And again, like Georgia was mad, but they lost their conference championship. So they knew why they were left out. Florida that's State the difference. Had, right. Florida that's State did not have Jesse. that main bit. And everybody comes in saying, you know, well, they could have went and, and proved this like George did. They them boys nothing. they strapped up and won a bowl of fruit because yep. you didn't get anything for winning the orange bowl. Like you, you got to eat nothing. some oranges on a stage under some confetti. You don't get into the playoffs for that. Nope. And so, but and but the reason I say that again, that's not an indictment on the culture, is no. People are so focused on the here and now that they forget. Florida State didn't right. have any opt-outs for last year's bowl. That's in right. 2020, Georgia's and people were trying to say like, oh, well, they didn't have any opt-outs in the, the last two years or whatever. They're in the playoffs. Yeah, Duh, yeah, we know yeah, that. Yeah. No one's opting out of the playoffs. <laughs> Florida State would have had zero opt-outs if they were That's in the right. playoffs. That's right. That's but right. in 2020, well, and then, and, well, I would say their last non-playoff bowl game prior to this one, they had nine opt-outs. And the year before, yep. they had a lot too. So – this is not the normal for both teams. You can't right. come into a one-year picture and say their culture is so much better than your culture because you had more opt-outs than them. They have more players in the transfer portal than you. So, like, right. you can go both ways with this. I don't think it is an, an indictment on the culture, but I do think that you see the difference between a lot of program right. guys and a that's lot right. and a program that's been built a lot off the backs of transfers. Yep. Again, you had to have those guys to transfer. That's what I'm, that's my whole point. It's like let's be real. Like and let, like Florida State fans watching this right now, let's be real. Would you have accepted if Mike Norvell came into 2022 last year, right, with the same team, about the same team, with some brand new freshmen coming in, knowing that it was probably going to be maybe at best a six to seven, you know, win team? No, no, no. He was on the hot seat after 0 and 4 and basically everyone including myself said on social media he's got to win next year and what did he do yeah. he said okay you know what i'm going to go get some immediate impact players right now and win and he won 10 games and we celebrated like it was 1999 right and i mean you can either and you can look at it like this you can either be florida state and you can take the transfers get yourself from 5 and 7 to 13 and 0 at which case you land a top 10 class. Now, you're recruiting Correct. to get better in certain areas. Uh, that's a topic for another day. But that the wins on the field with the transfers are what bridges the gap to where yes. you, that gets you to be a Georgia where, where, where you start building the success out of the high school ranks. Yes. Or you can take the Miami approach where <laughs> you, you, you post on social media that you, you're expecting them to give you a trophy for playing the most freshmen, but you're also 7-6 and six and lost to Rutgers. That's right. So, again, like and you, all these Q, and all these QBs that you've been after have been shunning you left and right. Right. So like you you can't have it both ways. You can't do a youth movement and and continue not to have the results. Right. You, you got to do one or the other. And I fully support taking the transfers, even if it means you have to. You're going to have these situations at the end. But again, guys, we know like we already talked about this. The situation would not have been the same. No. And it, had it been a playoff game, and everybody knows that. 
again, people are going to fire off their terrible takes right. that they've been sitting on for a month because, you know, we talked about it. Like, after Florida State got left out, and we defended the fact that we thought Florida State could have won because, hey, yep. imagine that. Imagine. The two, the two teams that showed you they could lose in the regular season <gasps> – Lost in the they playoffs. Lost. And you the know teams what I, that showed you they didn't lose in the regular season. One. Didn't lose in the playoffs. So I think once you made the case that you could have won, everybody said, no, oh, no, you couldn't have won without Jordan. And then, you you know, you had the ACC lawsuit come out in public. So people were waiting for this. You oh, know, this, yes, is, this is like Roman times. Like you, you were the blood in the arena that the yep. angry mob wanted to see. Yep. So they're going to jump on you. But they, again, they don't understand that. And, and this is one of the, man, I'll tell you, and, and I will say, Two things, I'll kick it back to you. First off, if you want to know just where you're trying to get, and, and this is why you have to take transfers, in this game, Florida State, now, of course, this number would look different if you'd had all your starters. In this game, Florida State had a 29.8 blue chip ratio, 29.8%. Oh, Georgia yeah, yeah. had 87.1, almost 60% higher. So, like, yep. you're trying to get there. But yeah. what I will say, man, and, and we'll, there's a couple other points I want to make on the game before we talk about 24 and stuff, but – I think the one thing that I'm going to be the saddest about leaving the ACC when we do is losing the, the ACC huddle crew because I just love those guys. EJ yeah, and they, Eric McClain, yeah. man, they're, they're so good. But one thing that Eric McClain told a story about was when he started out at Clemson, I think it was to, in the Orange Bowl too, they got beat 70-33 to 33 by, by West, Virginia, West, oh, Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, way yeah. back in the day. Everyone makes a, a joke. West Virginia just scored again. You know, everyone makes that joke. But instead of folding tent and going away, Clemson went yeah. on to have one of the most dominant decades that they've had yes, in program did. history. So, like, two national titles. Right. People act like this is going to crash the program. And I don't think that's the case. Now, I will say this like, this could be a rallying cry for the team. This could bring everybody in and make everybody, you know, whatever want to go out. You saw them lock up a lot of guys. We'll talk about that too. Um, you know, coming back for 2024 and you've got your quarterback now, that's another big thing there. I thank yep. God we had some positive news for once Ooh, in our life. Man, finally. Um, right. But this, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know right. what I'm saying? I do think that a lot of that will depend on what you do next year. Right. You know, if you go out and you have a bad season and I mean like bad season next year, six wins or something like that, you could say this probably yep. led to that. That probably yep. led to that. But if Florida State comes out next year, you got DJ at quarterback now. You got some other pieces you're you're hunting in the portal. If you can get back to a 10 wins, possibly an ACC championship, and back in the playoffs, nobody's going to worry about yeah. what happened in this bowl game 12 months ago. Nobody's going to care right. about that. So that's right. I, it remains to be seen how much it will affect the program going forward, but I highly, highly doubt this tanks it because 13-0 in the ACC championship with your starters was still proof of concept for Mike Norvell right. that the system that he follows works. And he took a team from 3-9 and nine or whatever yep. to 13-1, and one, uh, yeah. you know, 13-0 and 0 with all their starters. So yeah. the proof of concept works. And, and yeah. a lot of players, not Twitter players, not Twitter coaches. That's not right. The people who know the game understand that. Kirby understands that. That's what That's he talked right. about in his post game. This is a product of of what college football has created. That's right. And you're not going to see coaches come out and bash Mike Norvell. Why? Right. Because they know they could end up in the same situation That's if right. their players were to hit the portal too. They know they could wear a whipping like that. So That's right. No, nah, man, this is not a damning on the future of the program, but you know, it 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 spoils the end of your 13 and 0 season yeah. in a way that you didn't want to happen. Right. But I don't think this is a damnation on the uh, on No, State. I yeah, I, and I think you're so right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think this is another pivotal moment of the program. It's not damning, right? But it's also not like a blessing. It, it's no. it's that weird in-between of it could swing one or the other way. 
and the reason why I have the utmost confidence that it's going to swing positive for Florida State is because look at the last pivotal moment for Florida State. La- uh, two years ago, Florida State, you know, I flew across the country from California to Tallahassee, excited to see my Knowles play Notre Dame. And they had a chance to win that game, and they did it. Then the next week, I watched on the couch as we lost in a just bizarre fashion on a Hail Mary pass to Jacksonville State. We would go on to go 0 and 4. And at that moment, that was a very pivotal moment of the program because it was either Mike was about to lose this team, then obviously lose the fan base, which probably, you know, I don't know if they would have fired him because they just fired Willie Tagger, you know, right. two years ago. But it would have it would have been dark times for Florida State. And instead of folding, instead of quitting, Mike stood up on a press conference. I'll never forget. I watched it live. And he said he knows those players know who they got in the transfers with them. And he's going to fight. And all he can do is show up and fight, fight, fight. And what did they end up doing? They ended up finishing that season five and three, right? They didn't make it to a bowl game. They should have won that Florida game, but they let the they let their emotions get the best of them. But they finished that season five and three. And then they went into the offseason and they attacked that thing like it was their last day on earth. Then they come out and they go 10 and three. And then they attacked the next offseason like it was their last day on earth. And what did they do? They went 13 and 0, won the ACC championship. And then they had this happen, right? This pivotal moment. And if you saw that post-game speech, not the press conference, the speech inside that locker room, man, I was tearing up watching that video because I I would run through a wall right now for Mike Norvell after that speech. Holy goodness. And you don't think Florida State put that thing out there on purpose? Right. Because there are tons, regardless of who comes from the transfer portal or not, I guarantee you that those players who get into this, this program next season, we're not taking a step back. I'm not saying we're going to go undefeated again. I'm not even saying we might, we we may or may not make the playoffs. I don't know, but we're definitely not taking a step back because you saw it in that video. That man is determined for this program to get back to the top of college football, and he has proven over and over again that when all the chips are against him, when all when his back is to the wall, when every when the world is ganged up, that man comes out swinging and he wins. He wins. He wins. And I believe everything in me believes that Florida State is still on the climb up. And that happens a lot. <laughs> Poor Mike Norvell. <laughs> I know, man, but that's this is the truth. Like, if this program survived Willie Taggart, who, by the way, that's right. had Penix on campus, and and that's right, and lost wasn't them. A, wasn't a take. Um, you know, yeah. so there's that. And then you sur- you survived 0 and four. Like this program will survive. They're gonna go work the same offseason, you know, that they always did to put themselves in the best position to win. And yeah. You know, man, it, it's funny because, like, well, it's not funny. It's it's actually kind of – I feel so bad for Mike Norvell, but oh, it, it's funny in, in a sarcastic sense where it's like, this, man, if karma is is true and it's just waiting to swing back around, like, you know, they say that, that you know, God will never put more on you than you can handle. He's testing Mike Norvell right now because just <laughs> what he has been through, the COVID year, you know, the the Jordan yeah. getting injured, the the little bit of c- culture issues they had early on with some things. If you guys remember back to when he first got here, you know, then you get snubbed out of the playoffs and you you take this type of beating in the in the Orange Bowl. Like, man, it when the karma finally swings back around, yeah. Mike Norvell's about to win six national championships. I feel <laughs> it because like, but you got, I mean, like, yeah. and, and you, got, you have to admire the way he goes about it. He never breaks Mike you know what I mean he's always true to himself he always is consistent in his message and it's not there's never a you know there's never a oh woe is me 
Yeah. It's a let's get back to work. And, and so I think that that's why you're going to be fine going into next year. And, you know, to be honest, when when you look at this game, as unfortunate as it was, there are some things like I feel like Brock Glenn made a better impression. Now, he still looks like a true freshman. It still wasn't great, yeah. but he made a better impression in, in this game. I think you feel good about him yeah. being your backup in 2024. I mean, you look, he took less sacks. Yeah. You know, his QBR was almost double what it was against yeah. Louisville. Yeah. His yards were almost double what it was against Louisville. His big time throw rate was 11.5%, which is great. So, like, you saw that stuff that, that was positive. And, you know, and here's the thing, too. If you don't think the starters mattered that much, look at the offensive line. That was really oh, the man. only place that was really an intact yeah. group. Yeah. They only gave up four sacks. Or, I mean, it. two sacks. They only gave up two sacks. Yep. They gave up almost similar pressure numbers to, they actually gave up three less pressures against mm. Georgia than they did Louisville. So tell me that, you know, Hey, guess so what? what that actually make a difference. Yeah. That, so, now, now listen, like I, I, yeah, like it, starters matter. Like the, the, for people out there saying, Oh, well, the Florida state should have, well, well, they should have still, you know, tried to play right. a game. Man, come on. You're talking about, you know, four, you're talking about four star plus and five star plus players. Versus probably a lot of your, you know, three-star, two-star players, your your walk-ons. I mean, that's what Florida State had. And listen, you know, I, I don't believe in in karma, and and I do think God can give you more than you can handle. But what I would say though is that if you if you show up and you do what you're supposed to do, right, which is what Mike Norvell and that coaching staff does, that those players are going to get better. You've seen the development. Right. You've seen what they've done. You've seen they've proven over and over again that if you get into this program, they will develop you to the best of your capabilities. Now, you look at somebody like Gilbert Elman, he came in, and you're like, well, he just transferred out. Well, like, because he had reached his potential. They got him right. to as much as he could. Sometimes you can only squeeze the squeeze the the orange and you're gonna, you're only going to get as much juice as in that ju in that in that orange. And right. so in the same way, man, I, I I trust that that whatever is coming, it's going to come and it's going to be good for Florida State. Right. And I think you also have to look at too in this game. You got a lot of guys who who got experience yeah, that they didn't, they hadn't had before against the upper echelon of of college football. I mean, it is what it is. Like you, you got baptism by fire. Like you That's learned right. real quick how good you got to be to play at at that type of level, the championship level that you want to be at. And so, I think it's good for those guys to get exposed to that type of environment. You know, going forward, because there were so many young guys. I mean, again, this is I think this is the good that you take out of this. You had eight first time starters. That's bad on the scoreboard. That's, right. that's good for that's good for next year. That's right. 35 guys played 20 plus snaps in this game for Florida State. Oof, 29 of those should be here in 2024. That's some that we assume would be back. Probably 28 because I think I included uh, Edmund in that. So again, you got 25 plus guys, depending on who a few more washouts or whatnot that that will be back next year that got to play in this game. That's significant experience yeah. for these guys that are coming back. You know, you also had the incoming freshman, Cromenhawk and, you know, uh, Lester and all these guys that were there throughout the process. They got to get up to speed already. So, you know, again, these are these are the positives that you can take out of that. There's not a lot of positives that you can take out of a game like that, but you did get really good experience. You got two extra weeks of practice for bowl prep for right. a lot of the young guys that you can build off of going into into 2024. Because I mean, let's 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 be honest, man. You lose 63 to three. That's absolutely embarrassing and it sucks. Yeah. If you lose four to three, 
guess what? You still lost. It doesn't still matter. Still an L, right. right. So it is what it is. This, it ain't, really moral, this ain't moral gables. We don't exactly. take moral victories here. Exactly. It didn't matter if it was close or not. You still lost. So right. at least you got that experience, you know, and, and that's going to build going forward. So there are some good things that you can take from that experience, even if as painful as it was. But I do wholeheartedly believe, you know, that they are just going to keep hitting yep. the ground running. They're going to come back and turn their focus the next year. Again, you already got some good news the day after the game. And so, you know, another thing, Michael, that even even throughout a game like this, another thing that you can be feel positive about is the gear you can get at Alumni Hall, our title sponsor oh, for this man. episode. Let's go. And, uh, you know, they have a great selection of everything you need from clothing to merchandise to gifts to all kinds of fun things that they have. Um, and you guys can get it at a great price using code SPEAR. That gets you 10% off your entire purchase. 1817 Thomasville Road. Currently, they are moving in February. We will update you guys uh, with their new location when that happens. Or just take it the easy way. Go online, shop alumnihall.com, navigate over to the Florida State page, get your 10% off of Code Spear. Thank you so much for supporting those that support us. Now, with that being said, Michael, look, man, there was a lot of good out of 2023. You, you know, we'll go back and recap that in another episode. You won the conference. You knocked off Clemson in Death Valley for the first time yes, in a long did. time. That was your that was really your early season goals. You still accomplished a lot of those things. It really, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It sucked the way that it ended. Yes, it did. It really kind of it, it crapped on the fact that you won the conference and it was on you were disappointed within like eight hours of winning the conference championship, the way this this expedited playoff thing goes. All that stinks. But again, this is the title of the episode, turning the page. So That's now right. While we'll go back and celebrate those guys, because there, there's some really there's moments I want to take the time to appreciate for the 2023 season. I want to spend 10 minutes talking about Jordan Travis because he's been one of my favorite players to come through Florida State. Just yeah, the way he loves this program, man. I feel my heart goes out to Jordan because you know, imagine him having to watch that on Saturday, knowing that if he hadn't got hurt, probably still would have got left out of the playoffs. But you know, regardless. Um, and, and again, for what it's worth, guys. I don't know how many of you guys boycotted the Orange Bowl or the, uh, the the other playoff games or not. Yeah, man, with Jordan Travis, I think they're uh, putting it on. They're, they're putting it on Alabama, who couldn't even snap the ball. You know, and, and everybody wanted good quarterback play in the playoffs. And Milrow throws for 116 yards. I mean, I'm pretty sure we could have figured that out. Pretty sure yeah. we could have thrown for 116 yards and got sacked five times. <sighs> man, that makes know. it even more frustrating, as poetic yeah. justice as it was to watch it was. the one loss teams fall out. You feel like you could have beat them, and that's yes. what pisses you off even more. But I, I love, I love, I, I love. That, sorry to interrupt you. I love that. I, I just it makes me think of that comment that Mike Norvell made uh, on the ACC huddle after the ACC oh, yeah, title yeah. game, where he said, "You know, yeah, they 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 they've done some great things, but you know, in their in their doing the great things, they proved that they could lose." We proved that we couldn't. And the teams that won in those playoff games were the teams that proved that they could win every single game. And the teams that lost were the teams that proved that they could lose. Again, Florida State should have been in. Now I'm done. Exactly. And, and that is the case, man, because, you know, Washington had close games. Michigan had, I mean, not a lot, but they had a couple of close games against some good teams. Right. Uh, but then Washington, like we said, they had warts on their schedule. So yep. did Alabama. So did Texas. They all had those close games. So did Florida State. So did Georgia. Yep. That's fine. They all had those warts. But again, it's the teams that found a way to win, even yep. in those bad games, that yep. deserved that that got the win at the end of the day. And that's why Florida State should have been in. But yep. you know, that's neither here nor there. We'll never find out. I, you will never convince me. My last dying breath, besides saying some some dirty words to to 
Buke Oregon <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that start with an F and a, and a Y. Um, besides dropping an F bomb at Buke Oregon, my last words are going to be Jordan Travis in the 2023 Florida State Seminoles would have won the national championship. And you can never Bam. convince me otherwise. So Same, same. But, right. But that that's not, neither here nor there. So with that being said, now you turn your focus to 2024 because there's nothing you can do about whatever happens. You know, you, there's nothing you can do about that. So now you look at 2024 and you and you got to pick up the pieces and carry on at some point. So I think Florida State, you know, obviously looking at 2024, you get some finally some good news. Feels like the first good news we've had in a long time. Right. You get a a commitment from DJ Uyunglele uh, at quarterback comes in. Oh, look Florida at you! I, I've been I've been practicing. I'm still proud gonna use of you. DJ, I'm still going to use DJU, but the official commitment deserved the full name. That's right. Uh, so That's it's right. a it's good news, man, because I I feel like when you look at DJU. First and foremost, he ups your win floor for 2024, point yeah. blank. I mean, you love what Brock Glenn, you know, he stood in the paint and, and he slung it when he had to against Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I don't really want to pile on the orange ball. We just buried that, but you still you still had four drops in this game. You were one of five right. uncontested catches, and he was pressured 40% of the time. He's still never really been in a great situation. Right, right. Um, but you feel good about him being the backup, but you obviously see now – that you he needs another year. It, it is right. what it is, yep. especially when you're it's a full a, year, right? And especially when you're in a a realm of college football now where everybody's everybody's like attention span and mindset is so short now That's right. that you have to win right now or everybody's mad at you. And so I think that you have to do what you have to do to win in a one year segment. You know, like you don't just want to roll with Brock Glenn because you're scared to recruit over him like he might transfer and, and win seven games when you can go get a guy that can win you 10 games. That's not saying either that would be the case either way because we don't know. But if you can get a guy who ups your win floor immediately and is walking in competing for the starting job, most likely going to win it, you got to take it. And right, absolutely. I think I think what people have to remember too is regardless of, of whether you think DJ's the guy or not, when Tate hit the portal, Duffy was already in the portal. At that point, you had to take a quarterback anyway. You can't roll right. into the season with two guys, one yeah. being a true freshman, one being a true sophomore. You you had to take somebody. So you get the best guy available. And I think when you look at DJU, it's got to make you excited about 24, man, because I think this immediately – now, of course, they got to surround him with talent. they got to get some pieces to go right. with him. But this immediately puts you back in the conversation for winning the ACC and, and hopefully making that 12-team playoff next year. Because the clay that you have to work with is excellent clay. Now, I'm, we're going to say a little bit of uh, kind of two things here. Coming out of high school, he was a former five-star recruit. He had a point, per the 247 composite, he had a .9949 rating. Jameis Winston was .9915. So this guy was even higher rated than Jameis. Right. In the same class, he was ranked higher than C.J. Stroud, Carson Beck, Will Howard, oh, Tate Rotomaker, and oh. Tyler Van Dyke, all from that 2020 class. So he was a number two nationally and number one pro style quarterback. So this is a guy that is it's there. Like all the tools are there. 6'4, 250 plus pounds, you know, a, a rocket of arm can throw the ball probably 80 yards. But a lot of people are gonna go, the hype has never really matched what the you production. would like, yeah. like look at what CJ Stroud did. Look at what Carson Beck has done. You know what I mean? Things like that. People are going to point to that, but a, a couple of things I will say when you look at DJU as your quarterback. And, and if you want a full on breakdown, I recorded a video about this, why DJU could be the answer for FSU. I suggest you go check that out. But 
the thing you have to think about at Clemson was first off, they he criticized that offense on the way out the door. They didn't use this, they didn't use him in the system, they didn't adapt the system to him. They right. tried to make him adapt to the system. Well, they fired their offensive coordinator. Yes, they did. And they they threw for less yards a game and less touchdowns this year than they did last year. DJ was not really the problem there. No. Clemson's also biggest knock the last two, three years. They don't really have a lot of dynamic receivers. Nope. And so, which uh Thank goodness, Will Shipley. <laughs> Best of luck in the NFL, I'm so bro. Glad that boy gone. <laughs> Get out of here, man. I don't know what it is with with y'all having these little white dudes that play for like 35 <laughs> years. Hunter Renfro, you know, Hunter Renfro. Like, man, oh. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he's out of here. Thank goodness. But again, like, I, it doesn't look like DJ was the problem there. Um, and then you look at what he did at Oregon State. Had a good year, but you yeah. could say, okay, they went. I think like nine and four, something like that. But. Yeah. That was a little bit more of a talent issue. So when yeah. you look at 2023 Oregon State, per the 247 team talent composite ratings, they're 56 most talented roster. 56. So you don't have a lot of surrounding talent, and they right. still had a relatively good season. Good season. For, yeah. for reference, in 2023, Florida State is the 20th ranked talent. So, mm. again, you give him that talent. And Clemson, his last year there was fifth. Now the receivers were kind of the weak point there. But again, you put him in a system that can succeed for DJ. They use him how they're supposed to, or how he best benefits in that offense. You give him some talent around him, which Florida State's going to have to go get some dudes. Right. By the way, his number one receiver is in the portal. Let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, yeah. I know he might be a little guy, but hey, we just hey. talked about Renfro and and you know right. um, and Shipley. So like, but this is a guy that you bring in, and I'll, I'll kick it to you and let, and let you give some thoughts on DJ here. This is a guy that comes in with forty Power Five starts. 40. 40. I don't think your two quarterbacks have been through 40 practices yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, this is huge, man. Brock Glenn yeah. has two starts, and in those 40 starts, he's 30 and 10. Yeah. So, again, you got a guy with proven experience, a guy who can win you games. Am I saying win. he's going to come in and be the Heisman, a Heisman hopeful, like maybe you would have thought with Cam Ward? No, I'm not saying that. You're yeah. going to need some, you're going to need probably some better dudes on the, you know, you've already locked up a bunch of guys, but maybe if you get some better offensive linemen, some better receivers, maybe yeah. we have a legit conversation then. Yeah. Um, but if you're just looking for a guy who can replace the production that Jordan Travis did, it had in 2023 and can win you those games that can get you because keep in mind as disjointed as, as we thought Clemson was falling off in 2022, we said, you know, are the cracks in the foundation there? Right. We all think that it still went undefeated in the ACC and, and won the ACC championship and went to the orange bowl. So That's right. you have a guy that even in a down year led Clemson to that. And so I think this is a guy that at the end of the day can come in and, and win you games and let yep. those young guys mature another year to not only when they're ready, but now they'll also be learning under the wing of a guy who has 40 power five starts. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and the thing about DJU that I like a lot is, like you said, he's 31 and 10. He's a proven winner. He's proven that he can win at the highest of levels. He, you know, is that Clemson, you know, yeah, they, they, you know, I can't remember exactly what their record was last year. I think it was 11 and two, I think 11 and two or 10 and three, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, the thing is, though, he won multiple games. He won 10 games. You know, he 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 came in and Clemson used him wrong. Like you said, they used him wrong. They tried to mold him to their offensive system instead of molding their offenses around him. Well, we know that if you look at Mike Norvell pre Florida State, DJU is the type of quarterback he constantly went after and wanted. 
right? That big, stocky, with a good arm, can run, can be mobile, uh, and all those things. And so he's now got that quarterback. So I, I highly, highly believe that you're going to see a lot of that Memphis style of play uh, come back to to Florida State what we saw earlier which is running counter you know running getting that running game going this year we just did not have the ability to to really do a lot of what we did the last year because we didn't have the the offensive linemen they couldn't they they couldn't stay healthy one and two and 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 this might just be my opinion but I really believe that Mike Nervell understood what type of team he had this year and he looked at that team and said, Jordan is the key. If Jordan gets hurt, this thing could fall yeah. apart. And what happened? The he was second, right. The last game, right? Jordan. Now, the team didn't fall apart, but right. that offense wasn't the same. Right. Uh, you know, that that's the one argument I agree with to the 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 college football uh, pundits out there. This offense wasn't the same. They still could have won a national championship. But right. Whatever. With defense. Yep. Yeah. Um. So getting DJU in, who is a durable guy, who's not, I don't think he's missed any game for injury. Uh, you know, he's a great passer. He has great skill set. He reads well. I think you get him in, you get some players around him, and I think he's going to be good. The one thing that I do think is, is a is a is an issue is 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 really his his accuracy. You know, I think that's been the thing that has has kind of been harped on him. If if you watch him, if you go and watch any of the film on him, he has a long wind up. You know, you know, a lot of quarterbacks will 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 have the ball here and they just go and go. His ball comes all the way down and then through, right? And so what ends up happening is he ends up throwing sometimes behind the players so they have to adjust or he doesn't get it right into that pocket. And I think Tony took coach Tokras and, and Mike Norvell, I think they'll work. They're not going to completely adjust his, 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 his throwing motion because look, he's got one year. You're not going to change it right year. but right. I think they're going to try to make sure they create an offense that accounts for his throwing motion. Right. Uh, you know, changing some of the, the 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 timing of of when to throw, when to step back, all those different things to help account for that. But, man, I, I'm actually really excited. I, you know, I know Florida State was pursuing both Cam Ward and uh, DJU and, you know, whatever you believe about who was second and whatever. I don't know. What I do know is that the whole time I kept thinking. Yes, Cam Ward seems more explosive, but man, DJU, not not safe. I don't want to use the word safe, but he feels the most surefire thing that yeah. can help us get to 10 wins. My goal next year is for us to get to 10 wins. If we get to 10 wins, then everything's on the table as far as the ACC championship, as far as the playoffs, all those things. And I felt like DJU is... it. it feels for me more of a 10-win quarterback than Cam Ward was. Right, I agree. I think when you looked at both of them, I thought with Cam Ward, you had that wild card. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. You could have a Heisman winner. You could yep. have a Jaden Daniels in your pocket. Right. But I also think with DJU, I was excited about him from the beginning because you had a guy that you felt like could come in and and still play at a really high level right. and do the things that you need him to do right. to be successful. And it's funny because you mentioned the durability. That's what you get out of the size. I actually was kind of writing an article up on DJU and I noticed that and I didn't put it in the article because you know our look at Florida State and I didn't <laughs> want to jinx anything. We didn't want to jinx it. <laughs> right, but he's been present for pretty much every game that he didn't yeah. get, you know, I know he got benched in a few at, at Clemson, but, right. you know, that's the thing, man, is again, you bring in a guy who can immediately up your win floor that can yep. put you in that conversation 
you know, it, again, is he going to be the best quarterback in the ACC? No, I'm not saying that. Not but saying that like, you, like you mentioned, you also give him time to come in and work with Tokars and Mike Norvell. Look what they did yep. with Jordan Travis. Yeah, They could just make some minor tweaks that could put him over the top. If you give him some good receivers, if they go out yep. and land some guys in the portal, you know, they're still in it with the Evan Stewart kid from A&M. They right. could certainly pursue the kid from Oklahoma or uh, Oregon State, his top receiver. I mean, they got Jalen Brown from LSU who's, who's in the portal and fit, FSU finished second. To LSU. Right. So, like, you get a couple guys around him, and, and you could see the potential there. So, I think DJU is good. I mean, even in 2022, the conference he's going to be returning to, he was fifth in touchdowns responsible for, fourth in passing touchdowns. And you're also talking about a conference that had Drake May, Sam Hartman, Jordan Travis, Garrett Schrader even. Like, you yeah. had a lot of these guys who were talented quarterbacks, and you were top five. So, if you can right. get a top five quarterback and you can reload some pieces on the defense, you feel good about it. Yep. You know, and then again, you talk about what the, the run game did for this offense this year. At Clemson, he ran the ball. 111 times Man. so like this is a guy 664 yards seven touchdowns on the ground so this gives you that whole aspect this also helps you you know his pressure to sack ratio at clemson was low 18.9 percent and last year at oregon state it was only 8.8 percent .8%. so if you got an offensive line that's not necessarily dominant this is a guy that's going to help that too so i yep. think you get a lot of good out of dju you know again i i think he can be what you need, and with a little polishing, this can be a really good fit for this offense. Yep. He's got a strong arm. He can stretch the field. He does have some accuracy and a little bit of turnover issues, but I will say when you throw the ball deep a lot like he does, yeah. it's yeah. not going to be – like Correct. people talk about Cam Ward had like a 20% higher uh, completion percentage or something like that. It was, it was a lot higher far. number. But 61% of his passes were 10 yards or less or something crazy right. like that, where DJU stretches the field. So it's a, it's a different ask. Um, but at the very end of the day, man, the one thing that excites me the most about DJ, he wants to be here. He said, this was That's my right. only visit. I wanted to be a Seminole. They were, you know, we know they kind of slow played him a little bit to see how Cam played out right. and things like that, but he wants to be here. And so That's to right. me, that is more than anything. When you talk about the situation we just talked about, that means more than anything. The fact that he wants to be here. So big addition. Again, you got to wait to see the pieces that are going to be added around him, but I definitely feel like this is a guy that ups your win floor and is good for the young guys th to kind of go under his wing, have some time to develop and all that stuff. And speaking of 2024 and surrounding him with some of the guys, the Battles Inn has been going to work the past few days. That's right. Uh, they have locked up so far for 2024 that we know of, Shaheen Brown, Lawrence Toa Philly. Uh, Patrick Payton is back. Uh, yep. Byron Turner's back. Darius yep. Washington is back. Robert yep. Scott, Keandre Drones, and yep. Maurice Smith. That's so right. So you've locked up a good bit of your offensive linemen here. Uh, that is important. You've got some important pieces on the defense as well. Um, that is good to see. Now, when you look at some of the other notes that we'll get to on 2024 as we get ready to wrap things up here, uh, Gilbert Edmund, as we mentioned before, did jump in the portal. You know, I mean, it, it stinks to lose a depth guy with some experience, right. but at the same time, he wasn't necessarily a big impact player for you. Right. Uh, so you're going to have to replace the production. Yes. But, you know, if you look at – if you get a guy or two, um, bless you, then, then you feel you. perfectly fine with that. Uh, now, visits are – there are going to be a lot of visits happening this weekend through the 7th, I believe it's open, because uh, you've right. got an extension window for some of the teams that played in the playoffs. You know, you don't – I mean, no one's talking about the nine players, I think, that hit the portal the day after Alabama That's lost. Right. That's right. That, where's their culture issues? There was one oh. guy, I forget who it was, one of their best defensive ends. He said, I'm gone for sure. Like, I'm freaking out of here. Like the dude was still wearing Alabama pads. The bus ain't even warmed up yet. And he's like, I'm I'm out of here. So like you want to talk about culture? Well, there you go. 
Uh, so Edmund out. Now, some names to watch in the portal that are going to be coming up. Speaking of Alabama, Earl Little Jr. from Alabama. Yes. EB is in the portal. Uh, this is a former four-star class of 2022. Now, Bama is actively trying to get him to stay because they yes. know the upside potential they, uh, they have. But keep in mind, Patrick Sertan was his high school coach. Boom. So you have an in there. He is supposed to visit Florida State this weekend, so that yes. could be an addition. Now, you feel, you like a lot of the DBs that you have, but you can never have enough talent. I mean, you always want to recruit over everybody with the most talented guys because that's how you get to be like a Georgia. You think Kirby cares if a four-star is like, oh, no, uh, you recruited over me. Right. I have fun in the portal. Wow. Like, that's how you build that depth. So, um, like we mentioned, they're still in it for five-star Evan Stewart out of Texas A&M. Uh, currently visiting right now, you have a Furman offensive lineman, Pearson Toomey, yep. on campus right now. 6'3", 295, 33 starts at Furman. He is originally from Jacksonville, Florida, so that's probably a good reason why he got him on campus. You know, this is a guy, he's got some size. He's got a lot of, of experience even at that level. He did play against, I will say this, I went and looked him up. Uh, he do, did play against South Carolina this year. And had some pretty good PFF grades. Now, PFF okay. grades aren't the, you right. know, they're, they're, they're not the end all be all. But I mean, his PFF grade in that game was 75.8. That's really good. Pass blocking right. was 83.6. So this is a guy, I think he only gave up like one sack the last two years. This is, and he's got a neck beard. Right. So like anytime, I love a neck get, beard. right. Anytime you get a big burly lineman with a neck beard, I mean, that's Dylan Gibbons. You know what Dylan, I mean? That, Dylan Gibbons, that's what I was going to say. That's the type of guy that moves dudes. Um, so that's someone that you feel good about there as well. His, some of his uh, run blocking grades are hit or miss, but he's a good pass blocker. Um, so that could be someone, look, guys, probably going to be a depth piece, but if he manages to be a starter, you know, bless hairs come from Lamar. So that's right. Don't ever count that out. Um, another name that's supposed to be on campus this weekend, I don't know if he's arrived yet or not, was UNC Charlotte linebacker um, Nakai. I guess I'm saying that Nikaya. right. Nakia Hill Green. Yep. Uh, expected to be here. Weekend. He's there. He's here. Okay. Yep. I like, He's I there. like this guy. I think this could be someone you could really look at here. Um, the size, he has all the size you want. Six, three, yeah. two thirty-two. He was originally committed to Michigan. He is a three star in the composite four star as of two point, uh, two, four, seven class of 2020. He actually started six games at Michigan in 2021, including playing 28 snaps in the Big Ten title game and another 28 snaps uh, in the playoffs against, I believe it was Georgia that year that they played them. Uh, he did not yeah. play in 2022, but then he started seven games for UNC Charlotte this past year. Remember, Atkins came from UNC Charlotte. That could be a little tie right. in there. Um, but again, this is a guy that, as a sophomore, came in and played in, in a playoff game for Michigan. So I think if you can get him, if the Orange Bowl, I know they were young. I know they're inexperienced. If the Orange Bowl exposed you in one area, it's going to be linebacker. So you have That's got right. to get some that help in here at linebacker. You yes. have to because Kalen Deloach is gone. Bethune is gone. Lundy's gone. you got to get some linebackers in here. So that's a good one there. There's also some interest between UF linebacker Scooby Williams. Uh, yep. There is mutual interest there. That could be a target to develop as well. Um, and the last two names I got for you here, the Indiana running back Jalen Lucas is supposed to be visiting uh, starting yep. on the 5th, starting tomorrow. Running back from Indiana, not necessarily who you're going for as a running back. No, no, but, no. I, but he is an excellent first-team All-American, I believe, returner. Not just so, excellent, like the best. He is a great returner. So this could be a special teams weapon. This could be like getting a, a new version, an updated version of Greg Reed back there. That's right. Um, and he's also half-brothers with Ja'Kai Douglas. I was just going to say, so that's right. You, you so, have an in there as yeah. well. Um, and the last guy to talk about here, 
I saved the last because it's probably not going to go your way like you wanted to, and that's the Purdue defensive end. He has got a crystal ball to go to Texas A&M. He's supposed to be on campus this weekend. We'll see if he makes it. If he breaking makes news. it. Breaking news. He, he committed to Texas A&M. And we'll stop talking about him there. But <laughs> I, I will say this. A lot of people are going to be disappointed in this, and I, I totally understand that. Look, it is what it is, man. Yeah. When you want to have this conversation, you got to get better at recruiting in the trenches on defense. Yep. It is yep. what it is. You can develop guys better than probably any team in the country. They've shown Correct. that ability. Right. You got to get guy. You got to get clay to mold. You can't sit there and and make pots with no clay. Right. Um, right. But this is a guy that was like. 30 minutes from campus, his yeah. hometown at Texas A&M. Elko is one heck of a defensive coach. And you got a Texas A&M who can throw a, a bigger bag than anybody at That's anybody. Right. That's right. So well, that, that is thing, not one to be – don't – it's yeah. disappointing, but don't trash the staff for losing one. Right. They had, Texas A&M had home field advantage, money correct. advantage. Yeah, yeah, they had all Coaching, that Yeah, all like that. It's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world for that one. I will say, and I know we're going to do a show you know, later on here in the, in the offseason – where we talk about more really the state of the program and coaching. I will, I, so I won't get too much in it, but we're going to talk about, you know, that, that the trenches there, there's some issues there as far as at least on the defensive side of the ball uh, and in the recruiting part. And so we, we need to address that just to, so that we can be fair and unbiased. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that area of recruiting, the developments there, like don't get right. us wrong, the developments there, but the, that recruiting, it, it, there's some there's some things that we need to talk about there right you got to get some guys in the fold i mean yeah. really when you look at to me when i'm looking at 2024 and again we're going to do an episode uh, hopefully next week on a way early look way too early look for 2024 those are just some of the names that you're watching for this weekend so of course yeah. they could still get a right. lot of guys on campus Absolutely. Still the spring session as well you know you only had to have your name in the portal didn't mean you had to be committed somewhere by this time so they can still get some names in it's just you know you found one that you really liked and you and you missed out on so that's unfortunate i still think going into 2024 you know without without going too far into this you know if you want to compete for like an ACC title and and push into the playoffs and all that, you're going to need a lot of pieces. And I think Absolutely. you need at least two or three guys on the defensive line. That's going to be the one place where you see what happens when you don't match up against a team That's like right. Georgia. You, That's right. They run for 10 yards a carry. You see what happens. You saw what happened in, in the 10-3 and three year. You couldn't stop the run up the middle because you didn't have that depth of defensive tackle. So it has to get better. Right. Hopefully there's some guys that can get out of the portal. Hopefully they can, you know, they can develop some of the guys that they have on the roster. But – it's just got to get better if you're going to compete yep. at that championship level. Now, I think there's a lot of positions where Florida State can just kind of agree to go young next year, yeah. give themselves the best shot to get into the playoffs and win the ACC. Maybe you don't need some guys, but if you're really trying to compete on that high level, I mean, let's be honest, Michael, you need probably another 10 to 15 pieces out of the portal. I That's know it right. sounds like a lot. It sounds drastic, but again, if you're trying to replace these pieces and you're trying to do that roster churn to That's get right. to that talent floor level where you can win the ACC and you can put yourself in that playoff conversation and then compete, yeah, you still got a long way to go in the portal. So, right. so well, no, they've got the only, two really good pieces so far. Right, right. But that's well, it. Well, because when you look at the high school class coming in, you know, it's, 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 it's the best class Florida State has had. You know, in in a, in a long time since what 2014, I think it 2015, yeah, um, I think, yeah. yeah, 2016. So it's it's the best class. There's about maybe one to three. I'm gonna put it in that range that could that could legit be you know uh, uh, top two depth chart pieces. Right. Uh, the rest of them are development. They're good. 
Trust me, they're good, but right. they're still development. And so you're going to have to go get, if you want to stay in that upper echelon uh, of the conversation, let's say the top 12, you want to stay in that uh, top 12 of the conversation for the college football invitational, you're going to have to go get uh, some more players to, to continue to help you bridge the gap. Because again, like we said earlier, you're going to need at least three, maybe four more of top 10 recruiting classes before the portal now just becomes a you get, you know, you get two or three pieces. Uh, but right now, the portal is still a big part of how you continue to climb. And that's OK. We understand that. Go right. get them. Yep. You still got to bring in those two, three, four more classes to where those young guys are ready and waiting in the wings and those right. are as talented as, as everybody else has. And I think, too, you know, you look at Georgia's lost, what, 16 players in the portal. Clemson's right. lost a bunch of pieces. Dabo's probably going to take some players this year. Alabama's Maybe. lost a lot. I think you have a lot of the bigger fish that are also swimming in the pond now. So people right. have to understand that, like before, where Clemson right. and Georgia and Alabama really didn't take a lot of transfer pieces. They, they kind of just grabbed who they wanted and, right. and then moved along. Now you have guys that got to replace depth, too. That's so right. you're going to be competing a little bit harder against some of these guys. But yeah, you got, I mean, you got a good 10 or 15 left to go, man. Uh, if you want to really put yourself in the conversation, but I, I do think that again, you're continuously getting better. Obviously, you know, now, now it's like, you don't feel like without those pieces, with the pieces you got, add two or three more in there. You don't feel like you're going to go five and seven. You feel like right. you could still win eight, nine games. But if you were to get those 10 or 15 quality transfers, you feel like, okay, we, we could make a run of the title next year. Right. And, and that's, that's, right. that's just where it is for right now. But yeah, man, I, I think overall, like I said, as we just get ready to wind this one down, you know, 2023 was a special and important year that will never be forgotten uh, amongst Florida State fans for both reasons. Yeah, for right. the 13 and 0 ACC champions and for the snub and the blowout in the bowl game. You're going to have two separate memories of this. You're going to have like happiness and PTSD at the same time. So like th there's that, but at the same time I think there will be positives that will be taken from it. There yeah. will be a, a, a shadow that's cast over this season forever because of the way it ended. But at the end of the day, I think the the important thing to remember is as bad as the month of December was for this program outside of winning that's the right. ACC championship. You are in a better position right now than you were 12 months ago. You yeah. feel like the program as a whole is not going anywhere. And, and this is something that, and, um, I, you know, we'll do some closing thoughts here, but I, this is something that you mentioned on another episode before where really, I know with a portal, you can win faster than people think, but you are ahead of schedule right now. Yes. Where yes, you, you probably expected to be at. So knowing that you're ahead of schedule, as bad as the ending was, you know, we it's funny we talked about this before man i i feel like this season ended in a more painful fashion than, yeah. than the twin and three season in 2022 but at the same time i would rather be mad about finishing 13 and one than i would mad about finishing seven and six or something like yeah. that so like yeah. you you're yep. still in a better position that's right you still expect to win probably 10 games next year with some pieces in the portal so you're still better off than you were and as disappointing as the end was you have to appreciate where the program stands to get you there. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Like when you think about where Mike Norvell has come from, I mean, you're talking about, you know, three and six, five and seven, uh, you know, 10 and three, and then 13 and one. I mean, that's incredible. And like I said, in that other show is you, you're ahead of schedule because let's think about it after the five and seven season, if you don't go get those portal pieces as you did in 2022, and you, you maybe got one or two that were pretty good. You're probably looking at a seven to eight win team that year. 
And then this year, let's say you got, you know, maybe additional one or two and you had some of them come back. You're probably looking at a, a, you know, eight, nine win season next year would have been the year you were looking at like going 10 and three and potentially challenging for the ACC. But you did that last year. You, you, you were literally two games away from going to the ACC championship game this year, you go 13 and you win the ACC championship game. Now, next year, are you going to take a, a step back? Maybe a little bit, right? Right. But you're also going to take steps forward for long-term viability. That's right. what it, that's where Florida State is ahead of schedule is that the long term viability of the program is much yep. higher than it was two years ago um, and, and much further than where it, where you typically would see this uh, if you didn't have the transfer portal. And again, the transfer portal is allowing you to build up those classes while winning so that you don't because, you know, in this day and age of college football, if you don't win by year two or three. You're if out. it doesn't look better, you're gone. You're fired, right? Yep. The transfer portal is allowing you to win while also building long-term viability, getting to the places where Georgia and Alabama can sustain losses, can sustain opt-outs, and still go beat a, a, a Power 5 football team 63-3. to That's what you're trying to get to, and that's what's allowing. And Mike is on the way. The climb is real, people. The climb is real. We're seeing it happen. I believe, I believe that this this team, this program is still on the up, and I I, I have my full faith and trust in what uh, Norvell and Co. will do. I definitely agree, man. I, and I mean, when you look at Mike Norvell assembled a team that did go thirteen and zero. That's right. And 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 here's the wildest thing about all this, man. Like the way this ended was so makes you feel so bad about the situation and how it ended, and that was terrible. On the flip side of that, no matter what anyone tells you, hypothetically, like there is a 50-50 chance that had Florida State have got into the playoffs, Mike Norvell would have won a national title. That's right. In That's year right. four. So That's like right. Nebraska's been trying to do what Mike Norvell did in four <laughs> years for 40 years. You know what I Talk mean? Talk about like, Miami. Like, Come on now. Exactly. Like you have many big name programs, powerhouse programs, blue blood programs. Look at Texas. You know, they still, they made the playoffs one time. They still have not won a playoff game. So, yep. you know, Florida State could have easily been in the national championship right. they, uh, on Monday night. They could have won a national championship in year four. So you still take Florida State who patched, you know, Mike Norvell, the staff patched together a bunch of transfers on, on a roster that still has one of the lower blue chip ratios for the top six teams and was able to go compete and put themselves in, with a possibility, you know, Let's just say it's not a tinfoil hat situation and Jordan doesn't break his leg. There's right. a good chance Florida State, you know, Mike Novell put together a program that went from three and nine to a national champion in four that's years. Right. That, that's, that's really right. impressive. So you give him time to keep recruiting and keep building and keep. I mean, you got the best two quarterbacks you've had in this entire time, no offense to Jordan, right. on your roster. You have that's a four right. and a five star that are competing. So the pieces are there. The, the method is there. The path is there. It's just unfortunate that you'll always have in 2023, you'll always have the what if. Yep, that's right. That's the hard part because Mike Norvell very well mm -hmm. could have won a national title this year, and we'd be looking at this whole situation completely different. That's and right. it's not that he could have, but Jordan Travis got hurt and they lost an ACC championship no. game. No, it's no. he very well could have. They got screwed out of the chance. That's, that's right. a whole different ending to the story than Jordan got hurt, you lost a game. That's you right. did everything you were supposed to do. So you are you feel good about what they can do going forward. You know that a lot of it was pushing their chips into the table for this year. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, I feel good about the leadership of this program and where they're That's taking right. Florida State. And, and you just got to go out and, and really do some work in the portal. So, yeah, man, with that being said, we're going to 
Barry 23. And and like I said, we'll have another episode where we'll come back and we'll enjoy the moments because, man, that LSU game was fun. That Clemson game that was, was fun. fun. All that stuff was fun. I want to take time to enjoy that because with the way the season ended, we didn't have time to do that. Um, and then we'll be back with a, a way too early look at 2024, kind of projecting how things play out. We'll look at the schedule a little bit, look at some of the pieces on the roster and evaluate that as well. Uh, but yeah, man, all in all, a really fun year came to a disappointing close. But at the end of the day, you feel like you're still in a good position no matter you know, no matter what the outcome of that Orange Bowl was, because right. you know it would have been different with all your starters. So, you yeah. know, I believe, and, and man, I'll tell you what, that that cinematic recap, I didn't know if I was ready uh, to watch it. And it, it, it destroyed my heart it watching it because I loved this team. This was that, and, and this is my last comment here, but the one thing about this team too, not only did they win on the field, they were easy to root for. Yeah. They were easy to cheer for. So it was a easy. good group of guys. And I think that they were a very lovable team. You know, Kalen Deloach and Jordan Travis and all yeah. these guys were really easy to cheer for. So that was a good thing as well. You know, I think the the off the field, the on the field, everything made you feel good about this this program. And I'm excited to see where it goes next year. So yeah, yep. uh, with, Same with that being said, guys, we'll be back next week with some some more shows coming at you. Uh, you guys have a great weekend and, uh, you know, just enjoy what it was, man. So yep. until then, until next time, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for your support throughout the 2023 season. And although the season is over, we'll be ramping up content for you guys all off season. So stay tuned, like and subscribe to Plant the Spirit to stay connected and we'll catch you in the next one thanks for watching go Knowles.